welcome to Moto Misers. Another episode here for you today. This is a show for those of you who want to play EDH, also known as Commander, on Moto, also known as Magic the Gathering Online, with an extreme budget. And I mean extreme. We talk about decks on this show that are no more than $15, and we talk about cards that cost literal pennies, or pennies compared to their paper counterparts. With me, as always, are my two co-hosts, Lucas Tuttle and Mason Grody. Lucas, how are things going over there? Wow, things are going great. A bit of uh, good news in the family. My sister just gave birth to twins. Huzzah! Uh, really exciting. I get to be an uncle this week. Um, Darren and Chris are at the hospital, and because of the restrictions with the pandemic, they can't bring their children over there. And so I've been babysitting Aria and Aurora for the last couple of days, having a blast. My man, congratulations. Congratulations to them. I'm glad everybody is doing well. That's what's most important. And uh, you are already a fantastic uncle. You're going to continue doing that. Um, everybody is lucky to have you in that family. So way to go, bud. Um, and and congrats uh, to, to everybody over there. That's super exciting. This is a weird time to be in the hospital and having kids. So I'm just so glad that everybody's healthy and everything went well. Um, on the other side here, we have Mason Grody and Mason is fresh off of a top eight finish in a pioneer super qualifier. My man, Mason, you're knocking on the door of the pro tour. How do you feel? I gotta say feeling pretty good. I was insanely excited as soon as i knew that i made it to the top eight i was i was screaming in my house by myself i was was obviously very nervous but man it was it was awesome feeling great as that is so cool and uh you came into uh the discord at one point uh like when you had top eighted and told us about it and i can't tell you how much like uh the energy in my head at least was rooting for you we really wanted you to to go the distance and get there um and i know it's a great experience and uh we all know because you're working so hard you're putting in the time we all know that you're going to get there man so kudos to you way to go keep up the good work and uh and you're going to get there man it's going to be uh mason prody to everybody soon (laughs) did you see what i did there did you see that that's called a pun friends i'm i'm a dad for a reason um all right well let's let's jump into the content today fellas um we want to talk about icoria uh icoria is fresh it's hot um everybody's looking at these cards everybody's talking about what's good in standard uh everybody's looking at new commander product we wanted to take a look at the icoria set and uh we put down a top five list we have not talked about this ahead of time between the three of us we don't know what's on everybody's top five so we're gonna see what happens and see how we evaluate these things so we're gonna go through our top fives and we're going to uh talk about where we see these cards fitting in 
how much they cost on Moto and how you should use them. Um, but to start with, we also have some honorable mentions. These are cards that came pretty close to making our top five for one reason or another. They didn't fit. They didn't make it. But we wanted to uh, to talk about them. And I wanted to start things off by talking about, I'm cheating a little bit here, fellas. It's not one card. Uh, but I want to talk about the Crystal Cycle because this did not make my list because I don't think these are insane. I don't think they're crazy powerful. Um, these are uh, the Rogrin, Savai, Indatha, Ketria, and Zagoth uh, Crystals. And they tap for... Um, uh, one of the three colors of uh, that identity. Uh, they also have Cycling 2. Um, these are just artifacts that cost three generic. They're uncommons. And they cost one, one cent. They're .01 tickets on Moto. Um, I don't think these things break anything wide open, but it's nice to have um, more rocks that tap for uh, three different colors. Uh, and the cycling thing is obviously a huge benefit. Um, don't see a downside to playing these over like a Dark Steel Ingot. Or something like that. Um, if it, it seems like it's an upgrade because of the cycling ability on it to just replace itself if you don't need the ramp later on. I don't love playing three mana rocks. I'm going to be honest. I, I like my ramp to be one or two mana as much as possible. Um, but this seems like a solid include. Um, so take a look at those if, if you have uh, three or four color decks and you need to smooth things out a little bit on the cheap. Uh, I don't think it's a bad call. Lucas, you got any honorable mentions here for us? Yeah, I'm going to cheat with you, and uh, I'm going to go with the Triomes. Uh, I agree uh, with your sentiments about, um, well, a couple of different things. The big thing with the Triomes is I just don't think for budget magic on Moto, three colors is the way to go. Uh, I, I think it's difficult. I think uh, with the budget, you're not going to be able to fetch them to get the advantage of, you know, they're going to be tapped in your first turn anyways. You're not going to have those fetches to grab them. It is, it is cool. Uh, if you are in three colors, certainly grab them. I think uh, I'm a pretty casual player, so that's up my alley. But I think on Moto, I do try to stay away from uh, three-color decks or more. Uh, just it, it, It's real taxing uh, on the mana base to have those three colors. So Triumphs on my list of honorable mentions. They're great, but I wouldn't run them. Um, I kind of, I kind of like the triomes, even in budget. I know, you know, you can't fetch them and that's, that's a, that's a big deal that you have those land types, but, um, three mana cycling. Here's my feeling. If you, if you're trying to play a three color deck and you already have some tap lands, uh, some of the like life gain lands, guild gates, those kind of things. Uh, this seems like a strict upgrade. Um, I don't really care. Like take those, take those other tap lands out of there. Um, sometimes in budget you get some pretty slow mana, but this has enough upside to, to run, I think, um, at the end of the day. Mason, what do you got? You got honorable mentions here? I do as well, and we're just going to continue on the cheat train because um, I picked all of the ultimatums. Yeah, these these are seven mana spells, three colors, and they all do these really big game swingy things like just for an example i'm not going to go through all five of them um ruinous ultimatum is red red white 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 black black and it's destroy all non-land permanence your opponent's control and they all do these insane big value things um for seven mana uh, but it didn't quite make my my cut 
because like kind of like what Lucas said, three mana is a little more difficult. I don't think it's as hard. I think it is manageable. Um, and I think you do play these in, in certain decks for sure. Um, I just, I think I'm just higher on other cards. I think this set is pretty powerful. So these just didn't quite get there for me. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and at that extreme mana cost, and not just that these are seven mana, but you, you do have a lot of pips to to put into consideration. So um, unless you're in green and you're doing a lot of ramp stuff or you have just a ton of fixing, um, these aren't always going to be uh, the best option for you. Right, and hitting those exact pips too right on time, I think is probably the other thing that's just so complicated to like get this exactly on turn seven or if you're ramping to get it just on curve of your ramp like you're probably going to have something that's a little off here and there on the pips but yeah for sure there's no doubt that these are powerful right for the most part like uh three or four of these you would easily want to run if you're in those colors but um be careful with your mana base make sure that you know that you're going to be able to get to these if you if you're trying to get to them early make sure you have enough ways to develop that mana and uh it's hard in the budget to to do three four five colors um uh it's not impossible to build a good three color deck um but it can be hard for it to be really consistent and fast um, we, we don't have access to, to all of the incredible, uh, mana rocks out there. So that's, that's one of the limitations of the budget. So, uh, do take consideration of that. But, um, when you're thinking about your power level, if things are a little bit more casual and you have time, uh, and you can get to seven mana reliably, um, yeah, man, these are gonna take over sometimes. So really cool. Um, you guys got any other Honorable mentions we need to get out of the way. I just want to mention, I think there's a number, there's going to be a number of mutate cards that are going to be fine. I don't think mutate is going to be uh, super awesome in commander as a theme, but I think there'll be various mutate cards that, that will, you know, that you'll want to sneak in. Gem Razor might be a card that you'd like to have, but um, as a theme, I don't like mutate uh, in commander right now. Yeah, Gem Razor seems especially good, repeatable artifact enchantment removal. Um, that's definitely something to consider. Um, there are some that cause opponents to sacrifice creatures, things like that. Um, I, I think there's definitely value to be had in in the mutate stuff. Um, I've seen um, the Throy, uh, the uh, the Abzan mutate uh uh legendary um and that mutates and just takes stuff uh up to 10 cmc total from the graveyard when it mutates um that's one that you can but when you have mutate in the command zone you can definitely build around that and all of your little mutate uh synergies start to snowball and that can become uh, a game-winning uh algorithm i guess equation for you in the end but outside of that i agree with you lucas i don't think they're going to be um terribly overpowered outside of working in tandem with each other um all right so let's jump right into the top five then um i'm going to start off with my number five which is gyruda 
Doom of Depths. This is for Hybrid Hybrid, the uh, hybrid being Demir. Uh, this is a 6-6 legendary creature, Demon Kraken. It has Companion, and uh, to Companion this, your starting deck has to contain only cards with even converted mana costs. Uh, and it says when Gairuda enters the battlefield, each player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard, put a creature card with an even converted mana cost from among those cards onto the battlefield under your control. This is obviously one that we've been seeing in a lot of different formats at the beginning um, of the uh, Ikoria timeframe. Um, I love this one in Commander. Um, specifically in the command zone. I'm not sure that I necessarily actually love the restriction that makes this your companion. And why I like Gairuda in the command zone as opposed to being a com companion is because when you, after you cast it as your companion, someone deals with it, you have to jump through a lot more hoops to get its effect over again. Um, when you're able to ramp into it early, like turn, turn four, turn five, slam this down somebody deals with it and then you can cast it again on like turn six or seven uh that's pretty good and you're going to get a lot of good value out of this especially in our budget format where a lot of people are relying on creatures combat damage those types of things you're probably going to hit something high value off of this um, and if you don't, at the very least, you have a 6-6 six, six to beat face with in the end. And uh, it's not like Demir, it's not like blue-black is a terrible color combination to be in. Um, in Commander, you can certainly build a really good control deck around this. Um, I, I think it's just excellent value. I love ETB effects. This works with so many things that we already play uh, in EDH and that are really budget friendly. So I'm all in on, on Gairuda. I think as a commander, companion it if you want to, if you want to have that restriction and, and kind of, uh, you know, put that envelope around your deck building experience. I think there's a lot of creativity. Uh, restriction breeds creativity. It's definitely a good thing for your health uh, to try to build around something like this. But also, guys, put it in the command zone. I think you're going to like it. So, Guy Ruta, that's number five uh, for me. Uh, Lucas, what's your number five? My number five is going to be, it's not it's not a sexy pick by any means, but I think it's going to have huge impact in Commander in general. I think this is a card that a lot of people are going to turn to. Anyone that is running black as any of their colors, I really strongly believe this is going to fit in every deck. Uh, and that is Heartless Act. It's uh, one in a black. It's an instant. You can choose one, destroy target creature with no counters on it, uh, or remove up to three counters from target creature. I don't think we're going to worry about the second one so often, but it'll it'll happen occasionally. It'll be relevant. But right now, Doomblade is being played in 10,000-plus decks, and I think this is a better card than Doomblade. Um, Doomblade is just same thing, destroy target, non-black creature. Uh, Heartless Act doesn't have that restriction. It can destroy even black creatures, and so I think this is going to hit more often than Doomblade. Doomblade already seen a home in 10,000. I think this belongs in uh, many, many decks. Any deck running black ought to be running Heartless Act. Uh, spoiler, uh, I'm going to be talking about Heartless Act uh, a little bit later. Um, but yeah, um, I also failed to mention before, Gairuda um, just uh, one uh, ticket right now 
on uh, on Moto, and I believe Heartless Act is going for like uh, a cent point oh one tickets last time you got I looked it, it up. Point oh one. Yeah, so that's as cheap as it gets, and you gotta love removal. I agree with you; it's not a sexy pick, but um, I like it. I I think it's way up there for me. We'll talk about uh where that landed for me, um later. So yeah, that instant speed is a big deal. Um, Mason, what do you got? I got another one that's not too sexy, um, but it's just utility up the butt. Um, and you already mentioned it before, as one of your honorable mentions is a gem razor. It's a four mana, a green creature, four four, three trample, um, which is fine and dandy but the the real important part is that it mutates for one colorless two green um and it has whenever this creature mutates destroy target artifact or enchantment or that an opponent controls um so yeah i think just on its own this is just another um reclamation sage effect uh and it has a better body like it's it's a good body like it's basically Reclamation Sage, but instead of a 2-1, it's a 4-4 Trample Reach. So, um, obviously the downside is that Reclamation Sage can just be played by itself. Um, and it doesn't need Mutate, but I do think this is playable. I think you probably just play all of them if you're playing like a creature-heavy deck. Um, I do think this will see more play. Um, in in commander and especially budget because right now it's only 12 cents i see um love it gem razor also if you're into paper magic which we're not talking about the gem razor um alt art is uh just fantastic it really pops uh it's one of my favorites um number four let's let's go into number four um i've got another instant removal uh card here this is dire tactics um it's an instant uh for white and black it says exile target creature if you don't control a human you lose life equal to that creature's toughness um obviously we have um or a color restriction here you're only going to play this in um in orzov or you're going to play it in three four or five color decks but instant speed exile removal you don't really care about that second line of text uh losing life equal to that creature's toughness if you really need to deal with something even if it is an elish norn or something like that you're going to take the hit you're going to take that damage because it's better than that creature being on the battlefield the fact that this exiles anything that this can deal with indestructible creatures um that's just icing on top of the cake this is already really great as a two mana instant um for just 0.01 tickets guys one penny for this thing that exiles anything. Um, uh, I, I love it. I, I think if you're in these colors, you you have to find a slot for this. Um, I don't see a downside even to that life loss. Nobody's going, unless you're going up against a, a Galta thing. <laughs> and if you are, you have maybe bigger problems if you're playing Orzov at that point. But um, yeah, I, I think there's not a huge downside to this in commander we start with 40 life use that life as a resource uh don't worry about it dire tactics let's do it one penny um love it um tuttle where are you at number four 
All right, I'm going to talk on both sides out of my mouth. My honorable mentions at Triumphs, you shouldn't play three-colored lands. I got a couple of three-color picks right here. Uh, I do like the ultimatums. If you're going to be in those colors, uh, I do like them. Uh, I have a caveat, though. I don't like the non-green. Um, I don't like the non-green versions. I think green um, ultimatums that have green in the cast cost, I think those are going to be a little easier to ramp to. They're going to be a little easier to manage to get the colors that you need, as opposed to the non-green ultimatum. Yeah, the ultimatum. Uh, I like this one probably the best. I can read all of them as well. This is... Um, Theory ultimatum is white, white, black, 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 green, green for sorcery. Return any number of permanent cards with different names from your graveyard to the battlefield. Abzan loves putting things in their graveyard. It loves bringing things back. Uh, I think this is going to be a huge deck. You're going to always be trying to mill your cards into your graveyard and then going hard with it. Uh, the commander I think it would fit best with among many is Kerador, uh Ghost Chieftain. Uh, which reads, Kador Ghost Chieftain costs one less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard. During each of your turns, you may cast one creature card from your graveyard. I think this is a this is a deck that already wants a bunch of creatures in the graveyard on purpose anyways. And then you you, you rip off an Eerie Ultimatum and you are in business. You're gonna be you're gonna be killing everybody, you're gonna be crushing it. Manage to get the right cards in your graveyard, and you're just gonna win right there on the spot. I think it goes for all of the ultimatums. If you can win them, you should be winning. Uh, the next ultimatum, emergent ultimatum, black, black, green, 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 blue, blue. Library for up to three monocolored cards with different names and exile them. An opponent chooses one of those cards, shuffle that card into your library. You may cast the other cards without paying their mana cost. Exile emergent ultimatum. You win immediately right there on the spot. I think you can pick any commander that you want at all to run it. I think Golos would be a great commander among many others. Uh, another one that we have is Genesis Ultimatum. Green, green, blue, 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 red, red. Look at the top five cards of your library. Put any number of permanent cards from among them onto the battlefield and the rest uh, into your hand. This is the Teamer one. I'm a big Animar player, so I wrote Animar down. I love Animar. However, Maelstrom Wanderer may be a better fit as you are putting a ton of creatures, big creatures, into your uh, library. Anyways, you can rip off some big creatures, and they're all going to gain haste from Maelstrom Wanderer. A lot, a lot of fun. Should be running them if you're in those colors. The other ones, Runus and Inspired, is the Mardu and Jeskai ones. They're fun. They're going to they're gonna do work, but they're not in green. I think they're going to be a little more difficult to cast. Those two don't make my top five, but the ultimatums that include green do make my top five, as I think if you're in those colors, you're able to get the colors that you want anyways, anyways. Mason, hit, hit, your, uh, hit your top four here for me. Or your, your, oh my God. Mason, hit me with number four. <laughs> sure. Um... I'm coming. I'm coming in hot with a flashy one, uh, but it's number four because I'm uncertain of where and what to do with it exactly. Um, and that is Titan's Nest. It's one colorless, black, green, blue. It's an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may put that card into your graveyard. Um, and the other line of text is exile a card from your graveyard add colorless mana uh spend this mana only to cast colorless or colored spells um without x in its mana cost uh 
this card just like giving all of your spells all of your colored non-x spells which i think there's a lot in people's decks um but i guess you don't get to abuse like hydroid crazes which is kind of also out of our um budget range anyways um but just to give all of your spells delve seems kind of crazy um it seems like in any deck that wants to mill itself or a graveyard deck that just fills up real fast, you're going to reduce, you're going to be able to cast a lot of things and a lot of big things really easily. Um, so I don't, I don't know exactly where you put this in mostly just like graveyard stuff. I kind of thought of, you know, Tassiker would like this, maybe Sidisi or Mimeoplasm, you know, graveyard Saltai decks, but you know, I could see this in other, other Sultai decks, even if you want to go graveyard centric or, you know, four or five color decks. I don't know. I'm kind of excited to see, you know, if this card does anything and I might, I might play around with it myself. Yeah. That's a spicy one, man. That wasn't, uh, that wasn't on my radar. I like it a lot though. Um, number three, I'm going to give you, uh, th- this hotness that, um, I, I actually like, only fell in love with this card because we were doing this episode and because I was scouring um, the the Ikoria list in Scryfall. And uh, I pulled one of these in paper too, and I kind of felt like at the time, yeah, it seems fine, but like, why would I actually play it? Um, the more I read this and look at it, it's actually kind of crazy. And it's only one cent. So you can you've got a penny to spare to try this guy out. This is Kogla the Titan Ape. This is uh, three green, green, green for a legendary creature ape. It's a seven six. Um, it says when Kogla the Titan Ape enters the battlefield, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. Whenever Kogla attacks, destroy target artifact or enchantment defending player controls. Uh, you can also pay one and a green. Return target human you control to its owner's hand. Kogla gains indestructible until end of turn. So let's let's go from the bottom up, fellas. So first of all, this is seven six. Uh, nothing to sneeze at there for six mana. Um, uh, it, you don't really have a huge hoop to jump through to give it indestructible. That's not always what you're going to be wanting to do. But as a uh, just save it button. That's not the hardest thing to ever do, to have a human on the battlefield that you can put back into your hand, okay? Especially when you're playing green. You're probably mono green if you're playing this. At, at, at best, you're, like, really leaning heavy into green. You're maybe, like, gruel or something like that, and you're mostly green. Um, uh, I'm not sure, uh, you know, how much you're playing this if you're not mono green, right? So you've probably got a bunch of humans, um, is the point. And then whenever it attacks, destroy target artifact or enchantment defending player controls, repeatable artifact destruction uh, with a creature that, let's face it, you want to attack with anyway. You want to be doing that anyway, so you just get a bonus every time you swing in at somebody. Um, you're in green, so you have ways to give this evasion. You can you can build that into your deck too if, if you're making this your commander. Um, I think that effect is maybe the scariest thing about it um and also when it comes into play it it straight up kills something else it's a seven six okay you're going to find something on the battlefield to kill something that you wanted to blow up it's a removal spell that kills artifacts and enchantments and that isn't too hard to make indestructible 
uh, for six mana, and it can be a game ender. Um, I could see a Voltron thing doing very well with Kogla and having a really good time playing like a mono green control kind of thing with this at the helm. Um, I could see it in the 99 of some big creature things. I'm not sure that that's necessarily where it shines. Maybe, maybe you're playing it in like a Rurik Thar or something like that, where you're going to have maybe um, multiple combat steps or things like that. Um, or you just need something beefy to throw on the field that's going to have some utility. But this has value, fellas, for a, for a penny. Um, this does a lot, I think. So it's my number three. I like it a lot. Um, Lucas, what's your number three, bud? Yeah, I have uh, Bastion of Remembrance. It is a black card enchantment, two and a black. When Bastion of Remembrance enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 white human soldier creature token. That's it. That's all it does. All right, just kidding. Uh, we don't care about that so much. We care about the second part, and that's whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. Now, this is a powerful effect that a lot of aristocrat-style decks use and utilize. We look at a card like Blood Artist, which almost does the exact same thing, except it's a creature, one less. Uh, and that's seen playing 26,000 decks. It's a card that's super popular. People want to play with it. Um, and this one comes in at one cent that you can have in your deck. And so if you're playing a deck that that features destruction or destroying your own creatures, sacrificing them, bringing them back, destroying them some more. Uh, you're going to get a lot of value out of it. I think of my Edgar Markov deck. Uh, you build up a big board, and people think twice about killing your board, especially if you've got a Blood Artist out as well. Taking 10, 15 damage to wipe the board, it's not appealing. I think Bastions of Remembrance is going to go a long way, and I think if you're in a deck that is playing Aristocrat style, uh, you should be playing it. Um, I think if Asa Karloff, which says if a creature dying causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. Uh, or maybe even a Judith deck, Scourge Diva. I think that's another deck that this card is going to go a long ways in. First of all, Luke is coming in hot with, uh, with stats. Thank you for that. Um, I, I love the numbers. But yeah, this is a slam dunk in Aristocrats, right? And this this was really close to making my list. I almost put it as honorable mention because I, I think it's just so good uh, in that kind of strategy, and it's so hard to remove. It's so much harder to deal with um, than a Blood Artist, Falconrath Aristocrat, that type of thing, Zulaport Cutthroat. Um, it's tougher to get off of the battlefield, and and it can be an enabler in that aristocrat stuff. It can be a win con. So, um, yeah, love it. Love that pick. Uh, Mason, what do you got at number three? Number three is uh, a card already mentioned uh, by you, Andy, is uh, Dire Tactics. Uh, I think this card is it's just all around super good. Uh, I know it's, it, it's restricted to these two colors, white and black, um, but... Being able to just exile a creature for almost no no downside. Like the worst downside is just losing some life, which if you're really wanting to get rid of something, you're fine with losing some life rather than losing the entire game. You know, especially for things that are indestructible. Um, I don't know how many uh, Eldrazi you might be running into or these effects that make your, your opponent's creatures indestructible. But exiling also is helpful for these reanimator decks. 
which are definitely running around. I know a buddy of mine plays some budget Marin online, and pretty much all of those cards are real cheap. Uh, so exiling effect is is really powerful. Um, and I think there's a lot of humans in Magic, so you might not even lose life. It might just be a two mana. It might just be a source of plowshare, you know, that costs one extra mana with zero downside a lot of the times. So I don't want to talk about this card too much because you pretty much talked it up. Um, but yeah, this is my number three. I think it's awesome. But yeah, that exile effect, uh, you know, I don't know if you ever run into somebody who might be playing like like Thassa or something like that. Um, and if they ever let that become a creature, then then that's pretty good. This can get rid of the gods there. Um, Lucas, if you ever let that thing uh, become a creature, uh, look out because Dire Tactics is coming for you. Um, and that's going to feel sweet. You leave Thassa and Phoenix alone. Oh, Phoenix too. <laughs> You're not going to mill me out. Not today. Not today, Phoenix. You devil. <laughs> My number two is um, Heartless Act. Uh, it is uh, one that Lucas already talked about. Uh, instant one in a black. Destroy target creature with no counters on it, or return up to three, or remove up to three counters from target creature. Not much more to say about this other than I like this at number two because I feel like uh, it, it, the monocolored nature of this just means it's going to fit into so many more builds. Uh, the fact that it is non restrictive, two mana, instant speed removal for any creature. You always just want more of that. And if you're black, let's face it, even if you think you're the most aggressive or mid-range or combo-centric thing, you need interaction. You want to be able to control the board. You want to stop people from going off. This is going to help you do that. The The counter removal, like, like Lucas said, it's just not going to come up all that often. But if it is coming up, it's probably particularly valuable. This is great, obviously, in um, limited because you're going to be able to take like flying and death touch and lifelink and vigilance counters off of things. And people like to snowball effects uh, with those counters, trample counters and all that stuff. Um, but this definitely has uh, some potential in commander where you might just be taking plus one, plus one counters off of things or... Um, uh, I don't know, God knows what people are putting on in Commander. Everything goes in EDH, right? So you might, there is some uh, a modality to this that's nice. Uh, that's just an add-on. That's that's just something that's uh, that's extra uh, icing on the cake. Destroying a target creature um, at instant speed for two mana. I'm all about it. You're in black. Find a slot for this. It's one penny. You can do it. You want more removal in your deck. However much removal you're playing, you want more of it. That's a good maxim to live by, especially in black. Come on, you you want to kill stuff. You're in, you're playing black for a reason. Um, so yeah, love that one. So that's my number two. Uh, thank you, Lucas, for for scooping me on that one. Uh, so what do you got at number two, Lucas? I have Jagantha, Jagantha, Jagantha. You're the English guy, Andrew. I don't know how to pronounce it. Jagantha, the Wellspring. Uh, Jagantha is a one, a new companion. Uh, it's four, and then hybrid, red or green. Uh, if you use it as a companion, no card in your starting deck has more than one of the same mana symbol and its mana cost. 
And then you can tap it for Wooberg. That's white, blue, black, red, green. This mana can't be spent to pay generic costs. Uh, Gigantha, I think, could be a commander. I think it could be a companion. If Andrew, I know it breeds creativity if you want to have that deck building restriction. I don't love that. I'm not creative. I don't want to be creative. I just want to play a deck that I think is going to be fun. And I think this is going to work well in a deck. I think it'll work great as a commander, but I think this works well in the 99. I'm thinking specifically of cards like Golos, Tireless Pilgrim, Sisse, Weatherlight Captain, Joda, Archmage Eternal. Uh, these are five-color decks, uh, which I know is is super taxing on the mana base. Uh, it does have access to green. All of these do, which means you can get cards that you need quite easily. And then Jingantha uh, is able to tap for Wooberg, and each of these commanders have a have an ability that requires you to tap for Wooberg, that requires the five different colors. And so you get Jingantha down, and boom, you're in business. You can go twittering, you can go find... Um, you can go find whatever legendary permanent you want with Sisse. You can go get uh, cast the next three cards off your library with Golos. Joda, all your spells have Wooberg as a casting cost now. And so I think Gigantha goes a long, long way in the 99 uh, of these decks. I think you can use it as a companion if you're interested in that building restriction. Uh, but quite a powerful card. I think people are going to be very pleased to have that on the battlefield with these commanders. Yeah, I, I, I love Gigantha personally. Gigantha is, um, when that was spoiled, was actually the impetus for me rebuilding uh, Niv-Mizzet Reborn uh, deck because uh, it just meant that I could ramp into Gigantha um, and not have to worry about all five colors, playing that as the companion. And I didn't lose a whole lot in the deck building process because I'm trying to maximize uh, how much I draw off of Niv-Mizzet Reborn. So there were actually just a few things like Supreme Verdict that I wasn't able to play in order to meet the Gigantha requirement to be the companion. But having that there means I just have to get four and red or green in order to play that and then on the next turn cast Niv-Mizzet, no matter what my color situation looks like on the battlefield. So there's kind of a sigh of relief when you have that, that you know, okay, I'm going to at least be able to get Niv-Mizzet out, um, usually on curve, because I can usually ramp into it. Um, that's really cool. And uh, Sisse you mentioned uh, definitely enables some shenanigans uh, with the five-color version of Sisse, for sure. And and uh, I think even like CEDH builds of, of Sisse now really like it. Um, so definitely something there. I think Gigantha is, uh, is hot. Um, Mason, what's your number two? And my number two guns a blazing with card advantage. Um, it's four mana enchantment. It's whirlwind of thought. It costs one colorless blue, red, white. And it reads whenever you cast a non-creature spell, draw a card. That's that's it. That's all. That's all it is. Um, just one one sentence, one simple sentence, and I can't tell you how happy that sentence makes me. I think I'm a huge control player. I love playing control. I love making people miserable. I I don't I don't like people to play, and I enjoy drawing cards more than anything. I would. I'll tell you this. I. Some games, I'm more happy drawing cards and losing miserably than if I don't get to draw any cards or just, you know, your one card a turn and winning. Like, what's the fun in that? 
I want to draw every card. So this this might just be a personal favor for myself. Um, but I love blue decks. I love blue white decks. Jess guy, love, um, and I love drawing cards. This is, I don't know. I can't tell you how excited I am about this card. Yeah, uh, simplicity sometimes is uh, is the the greatest form of beauty. Um, and, and card draw certainly is, uh, a maxim of, uh, of EDH generally, if, if you don't have card advantage, you're, you're not going to win. Um, and this is a really easy stipulation, especially in control decks, uh, to gain card advantage, right? Just cast non-creature stuff. Uh, that, that's, that's not hard, hard to do at all. So, um, I love it. I, I love how, uh, how simple that design is. And I, I like how much value it's going to get you. That's kind of scary whenever, if you ever play against Mason and he just starts, if he draws more than like three cards at a point, uh, during the game, honestly, you just have to kill him. Um, you just have to get rid of him once, once he's seen, you know, 15 cards or so in his deck, you just got to get him. You got to get him down. Um, end of story. Uh, he's found some nonsense. All right, friends. So the time has come now for our number ones. I'm excited for this because it, it's entirely possible that we all have the same number one. Uh, my number one. We've we've talked about this um, uh, in private before. Um, how uh, how insane this could possibly be. Um, and it's not the flashiest thing, but um, I really like it. Um, and it goes everywhere in white. Uh, this is Dranith Magistrate. Um, one in a white for a 1-3 creature. It's a human wizard. It says, your opponents can't cast spells from anywhere other than their hands. This is a new hate bear all-star. Um, I love the three toughness on this, actually. I, I think that that's really relevant in the early game, stopping some some little guys from getting in uh value that can that can be accrued from little creatures uh getting through it it blocks pretty well um uh, in the first few turns and at the same time it hoses everybody uh who wants to do um shenanigans from the graveyard who wants to i don't know play their commander um it also shuts off companions if that's a thing in your meta that's happening a lot um this is an easy include if you're in white um i i think this was just a huge get for white um especially any hater stacks based uh builds this uh this goes right in there it's also a human so a bunch of the things that we've talked about today already apply to it um, I, I love this thing. There's there's nothing wrong with it. It's a must kill. You're at least going to draw a removal spell out from your opponents. It's at least going to cost them that. Um, they might even take off a turn trying to deal with it. So um, love it as a tempo play. Love it as a stacks play. Um, can't beat it in my book. If you're in white, uh, drop it in there. Uh, you won't be disappointed. At the very least, people are going to groan because they can't play their commanders. If you can get it down, the earlier the better, for sure. Um, so love it. Dranith Magistrate, it's also um, 20 cents, 0.2 ticks um, on uh, Moto right now. So can't beat that price either for uh, what it's doing. Lucas, number one. Well, first off, I am not a monster, so I will not be picking uh, that card as the number one card. Uh, my number one card is Zerda, the Dawnbringer. 
Uh, Zerda is a training grounds on a stick. It is one hybrid red-white, hybrid red-white for three mana. Uh, legendary creature, elemental fox. and uh, It can be your companion. Each permanent card in your starting deck would have to have an activated ability. Abilities you activate that aren't mana abilities cost two less to activate. This effect can't reduce the mana in that cost to less than one mana. And you can pay one, tap, target creature, can't block this turn. It's a 3-3. Three, three. So Zerda, I think, is, is super powerful. I think if you can use a deck-building restriction, uh, each permanent card in your starting deck has an activated ability. I really believe Zerda could be wild as a, command, uh, a companion. In the 99, I think it's good. And as the commander, I think it's good. I think this is a wonderful card. Card. It comes in at 43 cents. Uh, I think of the uh, infinite mana possibilities like Bath. Basalt Monolith, is that what it is? Uh, that we just immediately goes infinite with that card. I think of uh, Kenrith, the Return King. This slots well with, great with, could be a great companion in there. Uh, even Andrew, your old all-star, Zakama. Uh, Bolton people for one red. Seems like it would be a wild ride. Uh, Zerda, I think, is my number one card uh, for Commander, certainly in the MTGO arena. Goes infinite with the Monolith. Um, so a lot of shenanigans potentially there. Agree that, uh, Zakama would really like that. I, I hadn't thought about that line before, but it turns, uh, every single ability on Zakama into one mana ability. So you're blowing up artifacts, enchantments, you're, you're bolting creatures. Um, yeah, that, that seems really good. Um, Zerda as, um, a companion, uh, if if you can pull it off, seems uh, absurd to me. If you're if you're able to do that in your deck, um, I love it. I I love that pick. I, I can't argue with it. Um, Mason, uh, blow us away here. What's number one? I'm gonna I'm gonna blow the doors off the hinges right here. Um, I gotta go with uh, possibly my favorite card in the set, specifically for Commander. It's my boy. Dranith Magistrate. It is, it's just so wonderful. It's just, it's cheap. It's two mana. You know, the three body, like the three toughness, like you said, is, is pretty relevant. Um, but just, just the simple ability to have your opponents not cast their commanders. Um, and in this format, most people are building around their commanders. So this is shutting down everybody on turn two uh <laughs> so it, it definitely sets the mood for the game right on the spot um but it also stops other things like there's things there's abilities where you can cast stuff from exile or um from the graveyard this actually combos with a really silly card um that's always been one of my personal janky favorites uh uba mask it's a four mana artifact where nobody draws cards. They just on their draw step they exile the top card instead, and they can cast that card um, this turn. But with Dranith Magistrate, that just means your opponents cannot draw cards for the rest of the game. Uh, so, so this card, this card is amazing. The only thing that is that I see wrong with this card that I would like take it down to not be as great. 
because it's not legendary. I can't play it as my commander. That that, <laughs> <laughs> that would make this the perfect card. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, Lucas is the only decent person uh, around here right now. He's the, he's the only one who's who's not interested in just locking people out of the game. Um, what 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 do you think? I'm going to ask Lucas directly. Um, if this were legendary, if Dranith Magistrate was legendary, um, I'm assuming that it could not cost one and a white to be in your command zone. What do you think would be a fair cost for Dranith Magistrate to be able to have access to it every single game? In mono whites, personally, I'd be happy at five, uh, but I, I think it's got to be four uh, for it to be in your command zone. Um, Again, that's not my favorite way to play Magic, Mason. Uh, you're rude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I think to, in the command zone, uh, four, four mana, I'd, I'd prefer five. So that's like uh, the same CMC as like Hikori Dust Drinker, I think, is two and two white. Um, so, yeah, that, that seems fair to me. Two, two for this effect in the, in the command zone. Mason, that's unreasonable. I'm so glad you're not in R and D. I'm so happy that that we're not subjected to uh, your thoughts on on what healthy, uh, casual budget EDH is, Mason. Yeah, it's probably a good thing because you would see Armageddon's at two mana. This guy would be legendary one mana. You, it it would not be. It would probably not be fun for most people. <laughs> I love Armageddon. Armageddon in a cube, man, man, bring it on. I, I think it's underrated in in that uh, environment. But uh, if you're going to do that to me, you better win, or else I'm rage scooping and we aren't talking for for a couple of nights. Um, anyway, okay, that's uh, that's our top five friends. Um, I, I love it. Love these lists. I like that we had some uh, diversity. Um, I also like that we had some overlap. And, uh, and, and that's a, that's a sign that we're, uh, we're starting to sync up mentally friends and we're going to bring Lucas into our, uh, our devious ways here eventually. Um, so that, uh, that wraps up the lists. Uh, thank you guys for, for hanging out and, uh, talking to us about this. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I like doing that. We'll, we'll try to do stuff like that. Um, whenever the new set uh, comes out whenever the new hot thing comes out. Um, and there's a list to be made. We're going to do it. I had a lot of fun doing this, um, fun to put together, fun to look at the whole set in this way and get a sense of, of what we like and why. Um, so I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, we have to, uh, drop into, uh, our most favorite segment. I'm sure the reason that you're joining us today is to hear about, uh, a little thing we like to call what you snacking. Um, but we need to talk about this um, because food is uh, maybe more important than Magic the Gathering most of the time. Um, Mason, what you snacking, bud? Uh, I'm going to throw in a curveball, um, switch the munch to some sip. Uh, very recently, actually just this afternoon, I uh, made some adult beverages, some cocktails. Um, I made, I made three different ones just, just to see if I can make them still. Um, and they're all margaritas. The one was, there, there's some weird ones. Hold on with me. It's, uh, one was blackberry basil and lime. It was delicious. 
another one really wacky but it was it was refreshing was uh cherry tomato basil and lime uh that was wonderful but my favorite the all-time favorite number one was pineapple mint jalapeno lime that i could drink that all day all year give it to me in an iv i'll take it so i i I like that flavor palette a whole lot mason i'm i'm intrigued uh mainly because of the mint uh basil jalapeno um i'm not i'm not sure how i feel about the pine the, the pineapple brings it all together i think uh chemically but um oh, that's that's super interesting also i i do you, are you growing your own uh basil and, and mint and, and jalapeno because we we have that stuff in our garden if you ever need it we got the freshness i would prefer it to be fresh and no i don't um so yeah yeah i would definitely be willing to make some trades i still have some commander cards left uh, so we could maybe do some cardboard for vegetables or something. <laughs> That's the new CSA friends cardboard for vegetables. Um, I like it. No, we'll. I, I think we can work it out where we'll give you some ingredients and uh, and and you can whip up some of these cocktails because uh, I, I want to taste this. I, I want to get into this. Um, I like it. Yeah, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk. Lucas, what you snacking? Yeah, so I've been uh, I've been on baby duty uh, this last week, uh, and sometimes I'm learning that kids obviously eat first, and I don't know how much macaroni and cheese to make uh, because I don't know how much children eat. So I'm making wildly inappropriate amounts, uh, way, whether way too little or way too much. Uh, but anyway, so today uh, as a special place because I, I had to put a little extra cheese in the mac and cheese. You know, you, you grate up a little bit and. Uh, I made this enormous plate of mild cheddar grated cheese and way too much for the, the cheese that was going in the mac and cheese. And I had just had this huge plate left over. And so I snacked on mild cheddar cheese all afternoon. It was wonderful. I put some in the fridge because I'm like, I'm going to save some for tomorrow. And then you know what I did? I took it right back out of the fridge and ate the rest of the bag because I love mild cheddar cheese. It was wonderful. Can't wait to do it again tomorrow. I'm sorry to cut in. I just find it so hilarious the the imagery of you just having this giant mountain of shredded mild cheddar on a plate, and that's just like what you eat all day. Correct. I, I three quarters of a brick. I don't know what a normal brick race ounces is, but three quarters of a brick went onto this plate, and maybe <laughs> a quarter of it made it into the mac and cheese. The rest in straight into my belly. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that uh, I, I often sneak a pinch of uh of cheese out of sh- out of the, the the shredded cheese bag um when i'm like getting a snack together for uh for baby henry um uh so me guys i'm i'm doing something really simple these days the other day um some uh some graham crackers and nutella uh, I, I got to say it's the simple things in life sometimes, but, and Nutella goes on everything. You could, you could, you could spread it on, on a, on the edge of a shoe and I would, I would eat it. Um, but, but with the graham cracker, it's, it's sweet on sweet, but, um, it's so nice. It's so tasty. I was a, it's a real comforting thing late at night. So, um, highly recommend, uh, dipping a graham cracker in that Nutella 
there for you. Um, so how, how's that for eating like a child too? Let me tell you, I was against Nutella forever just because everyone was on the bandwagon and I had a good friend, Tim forced me to have it. And it was life changing. I apologize to anyone I've disrespected about Nutella. It is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't come at Nutella, man. I, I think that's universally loved most likely. Um, if anyone does have the hot take that they hate Nutella, um, I don't know what to say to you. Like you, there's, there is no pleasing you. Uh, there is no joy in, you know, I'm, I'm totally kidding. I bet there are people out there who don't like Nutella. Maybe Mason is one of those people. I don't know. Uh, no, no, I, I do enjoy it, but uh, I am going to have something unpopular probably to say is I think I would like it better if it didn't have chocolate. I think if it was just hazelnut, I would probably like it more. So let's let's start the fight. Well, I just don't. I guess I wouldn't. That just it wouldn't even be the same thing. That's like if my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a bicycle, right? It wouldn't. That's not even remotely the same. The same thing. Um, I like complete hazelnut versus chocolate hazelnut. What? Yeah, and also I would prefer a bicycle grandmother over just a regular one. That sounds more efficient, uh, has more uses. Yeah, I, I'm just a big fan of hazelnut. So, hey, fair enough. Uh, there's got to be like hazelnut spread out there, right? In the world, is there not? Uh, if there's not, Mason, go on and make it. That's your that's your Shark Tank thing, man. You're gonna do it. They got it. They do have it. It's it's hard to find though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, one day you'll whip up a batch and we'll talk about it on the next episode of Moto Misers where, uh, where we get to watch a snack. And, um, so thanks for sticking around this long, um, get onto Twitter, follow us at, at Moto Misers and, uh, and let us know, uh, who you think had the best top five, where you got the top five lists here from each of us in the, in the show notes. Um, so take a look at that and let us know who you think, uh, came out ahead. Who do you agree with? something that we didn't put on the top five that should be here. I'm sure we missed something that people love or that you've been using that's working great. So let us know. Um, but that's been our show friends. We got to let you go. So, um, really appreciate you listening. Thanks for coming along on this journey with us and we will see you next time. Nighty night. Peace out.